you doing this afternoon? Oh my goodness, that's amazing. Yes, I like it. Well done. I'm not going to tell the other services you're better than them, but you know, you know. Uh, it's good to see you. My name is Jarrett Stevens, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. So if you're here today, or if you're watching online, or if you're listening to this later on our podcast, I'm so glad you carved out time to know and grow and experience God more in your uh, everyday life. We are in a teaching series right now called Present Tense, where we're looking at how our present realities, our present moment can get filled with all kinds of tension and fear or anxiety and even drama. And what we're going to be talking about today is all the drama in your life. Now, I'm not saying you personally are the cause of it. I'm just saying we all got drama in our life. And so we're going to talk about what does it mean to find God in the midst of that? And how can you actually begin to live a drama-free life, a life free from the trappings of all the drama around you. But before we get into the message, we're going to do something that we do uh, every week, actually, here at Soul City Church. We're going to respond to God's goodness by giving back to Him. And I just want to say a word about this before we do so. Uh, this really is for those of us who call God our Father, or we call this church our home. If you're a guest here, we don't have any expectation or obligation for you to give. But those of us who love God, know God, on see God at work in this world, we give back to God because we've had kind of a mind shift, a reframing of our brain where we see all the stuff that we have in our life, we see it actually as a gift from God. And when we see it as a gift from God, we want to say thank you. We want to give back to God. And as we do, two things happen simultaneously. One, it grows your heart because what it does when you give is it loosens the grip that your stuff can have on your heart or the desire for stuff can have on your heart. And then two, it grows and expands the work and ministry of this church. The reason we're able to do all that we do in this neighborhood, in this city, and literally around the world is because of faithful folks like you getting in the game and giving back to God. And so we do it three different ways. Uh, in a moment, we're going to receive our offering, kind of old school, um, and that's where we pass the buckets. And then you can text to give. Uh, so if you came ready to give, you can give in the buckets or you can text to give right now. It's pretty amazing. Right now, if you feel God moving and stirring you to give, you can give to the work God's doing here or you can give online. Now, if you've ever passed the buckets and you've been sitting on the aisles and you kind of look and go, oh, it's a little light this week. <laughs> Hope that goes well for them this week. Like, let me explain to you why. The majority of our church actually gives online. And it's something that G and I started doing before this church even existed. We set it up online, began giving to this church. And it's a way for us. It helps us stay faithful. It helps us be more joyful in our giving because it just becomes a part of what we do. That really is one of the best ways for you to grow your generosity is by giving online. So I'm going to ask our amazing volunteers uh, to come forward to receive our offering now. But if you want to give online, you can do that. Go right to soulcitychurch.com. Get all signed up to do that. In fact, I won't be offended if you do that while I'm teaching. Abella asked you a very theological question a moment ago about reality TV shows and which one you would be on. I just want to kind of get a show of hands. Uh, who here, just be honest, you're in church, you come this far, you got dressed up. Who here loves some good reality TV? Go ahead and raise your hand. Good. And by good, I mean bad. We all have to just, no, we have to come to the grips with the truth that this is some bad stuff that we watch, but it's a good guilty pleasure. There's a lot to actually choose from. In fact, a study a few years ago by Nielsen, which is an organization that tracks TV viewing habits of Americans, found that at any given moment that Americans are watching TV, half of those TV viewers are watching a reality TV show. Half of what we're watching is reality TV show. In fact, right now, there are around, kind of under and over, depending on the season, 1,000 reality TV shows on television. I don't mean like ever in the history of television. I mean on air right now. That number of reality shows has actually doubled in the last five years. So this is a significant trend. People tuning in to watch other people's lives. And it's hard to turn on TV without bumping into uh, a reality TV show. And there's all the ones that you know, the ones that are familiar, right? That you're, now I'm going to name some shows here. I just want to give you a word because I forgot to tell some of the earlier service this. I'm going to say, when I say a TV show, you don't need to cheer for it. <laughs> okay, you're only outing yourself by doing that. I mean, this is a safe place, but let's not 
push it, okay? So there's the shows that everyone obviously knows. Shows like The Bachelor, right? There's shows like The Voice. There's shows like Survivor. There's shows like Fixer Upper. Fixer Upper is a reality show. Chip and Jojo, we love you. Uh, there are shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Maybe you watch that one. Again, please don't cheer. Or, or um, Real Housewives of wherever. It doesn't really matter what city they're in. It's the same basic show. So there's all the ones that you know that kind of always, you know, the big famous ones. But then there's a bunch because there's a thousand reality TV shows. I bet there's a ton you've never even heard of that are on TV right now that have had multiple seasons on television. There's actually a show called Born in the Wild. Now you might think, oh cool, like Nat Geo, they watch animals. Nope. These are husbands and wives who decide to give birth without doctors out in a field <laughs> or in a forest or in the desert. Why? I don't know, but we keep watching. Uh, there is a show called Help Big Poppy. Oh no, Big Poppy Needs a Job. <laughs> Big Poppy Needs a Job. Big Poppy, uh, former Boston Red Sox, famous baseball player, uh, apparently needs something. Anyone want to take a guess? A job. And so it just tracks him interviewing for all kinds of different jobs. I don't know if you checked the Soul City job board, but that is a show that is on. There's another one. I want to get the title right here. Uh, Tiaras and the Taxidermist. And this is a show about a, uh, like a, a beauty, like a young, you know, beauty contestant queen and her dad, who's a taxidermist who stuffs dead animals. And it's all the drama and stuff that happens around their family. You ever heard of this show? You've never heard of this show because I just made that show up. Here's the problem. You'd have no idea. You hear that and go, that sounds reasonable. Like that's, that's the point we're at in culture, right? Now, and the, while the quality of these shows may vary, there is one thread, one theme that continues uh, through every single one of them, and it is this. It's drama. That's actually why you tune in for unscripted television is because of the drama. Oftentimes, it's fabricated drama that they make up to keep you watching because if there weren't any drama in the show, you wouldn't watch. It just wouldn't be interesting to you. Think about it. I mean, who's going to watch a show about a guy named Greg doing his taxes? That's not very exciting <laughs> to tune in for every week and watch. Sure, you got to do them, but I'm not going to give 30 minutes of my life to watch this. You're not going to watch a show about a woman named Lisa running errands on a Saturday. That's probably, <laughs> they're real. it's a real to-do list. It needs to get done. But I'm not going to tune in and watch that. Why? Because there's no drama to that. No one's interested in something that doesn't have any drama in it. We tune in because we love the drummed up drama of reality TV shows. We tune in for the cat fights. We tune in for the motorcycle mechanic to throw his wrench at someone. We tune in for the couples to fight over whether they'll love it or list it. That's why we tune in is because we are actually drawn to drama. And the question I want us to consider for the next few moments together is this. Why are we so drawn to drama? Why are we so drawn to drama? Because let's be honest, the drama that's in your life right now, all of us have drama at different levels. You don't love it, do you? But yet we love to watch it. So there's something about us that's actually drawn in to Drama. Why is that? A recent study by the uh, International Science Times, uh, and I know what you're thinking, yes, the International Science Times is a real magazine, and it's just as exciting as you think. The International Science Times uh, followed the reality TV viewing habits of 145 students from the University of Wisconsin. They had them just watch reality TV, and then they kind of gathered all of their responses. And there was a consensus of belief or, that they found from the study, and this is it, quoting from their article, they found the students said that argumentative and conniving behaviors portrayed on reality TV are now considered the new normal in today's society. That all the things that we kind of watch and make fun of are now just kind of normal part of our everyday lives and relationships. In other words, another way of putting all of that exciting article is this. What we mocked last night, we end up mimicking today. And it's easy to judge everyone else when you watch it on TV, but then we end up kind of living that out in our own everyday lives. And I'm not here to like preach a sermon against reality TV. I got better things to do than preach a sermon against reality TV. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch reality TV. I'm just saying we need to watch that it doesn't become our reality. That the habits and patterns and the way we see people treating each other there are how we actually treat 
each other because we are just drawn to drama. It's something you got to know about yourself. I got to be honest with about myself. We always have been drawn to drama. But the truth is, as we see in God's word, as we study it together and as we explore what it means to be in a relationship with God, what we find is that we are created for more than drama. That God actually made you for more than that. That there is actually another way. It's a way of peace. It's a way of of presence. It's a way of freedom because it's ultimately the way of Jesus. Jesus gives us a radically different reality to live in our everyday world. Think about it for a second. If you were to read through the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, study his life as I have for the last 30 years of my life, study the life of Jesus, you will not once find him caught up in drama. It's happening all around him. You can find it all throughout the Bible. He's not caught up. He's not drawn into drama. Never once do you see Jesus gossiping in the Bible. He's not like saying to the disciples, you know, you know what I heard about the Pharisees, blah, blah, blah. You don't see that. You don't see Jesus acting passive aggressively with people like, go ahead, sin if you want to, see if I care. You don't, you know, like, it's not, you don't see that. You don't see him getting caught up or drawn into drama in any moment in the Bible. What you do see is Jesus expressing healthy joy. What you do see is Jesus expressing healthy sadness. What you do see is Jesus expressing healthy grief, but he's never caught up in drama. Why? Because he lives in a radically different reality than the world that we so often get drawn into. And here's the good news for you and I today. He invites you into his reality. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus or would call yourself a Christian, he's called you into living into this new reality that's, listen to this, drama-free. Free from the power of drama in our life. Don't, doesn't that sound like delightful? Drama, don't, like, I, don't, I want that for my life. So let's look at what that actually looks like in Romans chapter 12. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Romans 12. Got it on your phone? Awesome. If not, there should be a Soul City Bible right under your seat. We put one there for you. So go ahead. It's either on your seat or under your seat. Grab a Soul City Bible and turn to page 920 in the Soul City Bible. You know what you're going to want to do is grab a pen as well, because this is some good stuff we're going to get through today in this text. So Romans chapter 12 is on page 920 in the Soul City Bible. Let me give you some context as to where we're coming at for this passage. This is a, obviously a book in the New Testament, but more than that, it is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. This is a large growing church, and the city of Rome was in the heart of the occupying empire. Like the Roman power was everything in that world in that day. And it was a culture that was not necessarily friendly to people who were followers of the way of Jesus. In fact, years after Paul would write this letter, uh, Romans would begin to torture Christians in the Colosseum like a reality TV show. And people would come and cheer and watch people's lives be taken from them for believing in Jesus. So to live in the city of Rome at this time and say that you're a follower of the way of Jesus, ripe for all kinds of drama. And so Paul paints this beautiful picture of another reality that we can actually live in. And before we get to this text, let me just say this about Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're just going to read verse 2. These two verses are cornerstone verses for this church. We built this church and banked this church on this promise found in Romans 12, 2 that we're about to look at. That This is actually possible for everyone. So what does God have to say to us here? He says this, Romans 12, 2. He says, do not what? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? But be transformed. You hear us say that all the time here at Soul City Church. That's the heart of our mission. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the transforming, the making new of your mind, your thoughts, your beliefs, your stories. Have that renewed by God. When you do, Paul says, then you will be able to test and approve, to understand and experience what God's will actually is. And here's what God's will is that you can know right now. It's good and pleasing and perfect. It's good because it comes from God and it's good for you. It's perfect in every way. And so there's a powerful promise packed into this verse that we can see right here. That you can actually know and experience God's will for your life. That you can know in your everyday little decisions and in your big decisions. You can actually experience and live, walk in God's will that you can in your big, like say, like, should I take this job or not? Should I move to this department or not? I wonder where God's at in the midst of that. You can actually know and experience the will of God as you walk 
in his ways? Should we stay in Chicago? Should we pack up and move to another city? Should I move out to the suburbs? Well, these are big decisions that you're making. You can actually know and walk in God's will. The way that we get there, that promise is predicated by us not conforming to the pattern of this world, but by being transformed, renewed by God. Don't just do what you see everybody else do and don't just play along, but live in a radically different reality as you're transformed by God, allowing him to reframe your brain, reframe the way that you see everything, see yourself, see others, ultimately see God. And when it comes to the drama that we've been talking about for a little bit here, when it comes to the drama that we all experience, we all have in different ways and different levels in our life, there is actually a pattern to all of that drama. Did you know that? There is a consistent pattern to all of the drama in your life. It's a pattern of this world. And it's called, maybe you've heard of it before, it's actually called the drama triangle. Has anyone ever heard of the drama triangle? It came about in the late 60s by a psychiatrist named Stephen Cartman. As he watched and studied how people interact with each other and how we get caught up in the pattern of drama, he began to notice something that was consistently true all across the board for just about every situation, every drama that we have. And he calls it the drama triangle, and this is what it looks like. He says that there's ultimately, in any drama scenario, whatever's going on, there's three characters at play. Any one of them is at play in a moment. Sometimes all three of them are at play in any given moment, in any given drama in your life. The first one is, everyone say out loud, the first one is? Hero. hero. So there's always going to be hero. What's the hero's mantra? The hero actually has a mantra. The hero says, I am the solution to your problem. The hero believes that they are the solution to your problem problems. The hero always has advice to give everyone else around them. You ever met someone like that? Maybe you're someone like that. You ever been across from someone like in a small group or you're having lunch together, you're catching up and they're telling you about some really hard thing they're going through in life. And this is really hard. I'm really struggling with this. They kind of pour out their heart to you. And then you have that person sit across from you go, you know what you should do? <laughs> or you know who you should call? Or I'll tell you what you need to do. That's a hero move. That's what they're, their motive may be good. They may be trying to help you, but really they're just playing a part in the drama triangle. I'm the solution to your problem. I can fix you. And heroes love to actually come and rescue people who are hurting or who are stuck or who are in trouble. In fact, a hero is a cornerstone to any codependent relationship. If you know anything about codependent relationships, you cannot have one without a hero. Someone to say, I'll fix you. I'll make it better. I'll come in. I'll rescue you. That's the hero role. You got that? Here's the interesting thing about what the hero does. While the motives may be good or seem good on the surface, what the hero gets to do is they get to help you with your problem so that they can avoid their problem and their pain. And lots of times they get to look good doing it. Oh, I'll do it. No, I'll, I'll fix it. I'll. And it seems like, oh, well, thanks. That's so great. But lots of times what the hero is doing is just avoiding their own pain or their own problem and they mask it by helping you with yours. That's the hero. You got that? Then there's also the villain. In every drama triangle, every fight you've ever had, every argument you've ever had, and the villain has a mantra too. The hero says, I'm the solution to your problem. The villain says, anyone want to guess? You're the problem. You're the problem. No, you're the problem. All y'all are the problem. Everything else is the problem, but me. The, the villain loves to find fault in everyone else. Villains, you can recognize them in any moment when you kind of step into that villain persona because they are critical, they're judgmental, they're often bossy, angry, they're oftentimes inflexible, they're rigid. This is the right way. Why is it the right way? Because it's my way. That's a villain move. That's what's really actually going on there. For the villain, it's never right. You're never right. They always are. It's never good enough. That's just a villain persona that comes in. It comes online in every bit of drama you have in your life. I bet you can find somewhere where someone is showing up as this, maybe even you. And here's what's interesting. Where the hero gets to avoid their own pain by helping you with yours, the villain actually gets to avoid their own pain by pointing out yours and your problem. So they just get to mask over and walk past their own pain, their own problem, whatever they're stuck with, by pointing out all the things that are wrong in your life. 
I don't want to have to deal or face this, so I'm going to point the finger at you and point the finger at you and point the finger at them. That's a villain move. So you got the hero. I'm the solution to your problem. You got the villain. You're the problem. And then there's always a victim. And the victim's mantra, if they were to have a mantra, the victim's mantra is, there's no solution to my problem. This is as good as it gets. There is no solution to my problem. The victim sees their life as something that's happening to them that they can do nothing about. They often seem helpless or hopeless or stuck or trapped. And when it comes to the victim, the pendulum usually swings between it's everyone else's fault, sounds a little bit like the villain, or it's all my fault. Everyone else's fault, blame, 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 blame. Uh, this is why this is like, this is why this is happening to me. Or swings to, it's all my fault. Shame, 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 shame. I'm the worst. I got myself in this mess. It's never going to get better for me. And they take a posture of being a victim. In, in whatever the drama, what, however big or small the drama may be, there's always going to be someone who plays that part of the victim. And while the hero helps to avoid their own problems and the villain blames and points out everyone else's problems to avoid their own problems, what the victim gets to do and to avoid their own problems, their own work, their own pain, is they're always going to look for a villain to validate their fears. Someone to point the finger and say, yep, you. Okay, yeah, me. Every time. Or they're going to look for a hero to rescue them from their problems. I mean, this is the classic codependent relationship right here. Hero to victim, hero to victim. That's codependency right there. I can't, I will. I can't, I will. Do you see how that dance works? The drama triangle. This is the pattern of this world. Every fight, every argument, every drama in your life can be traced back to this. In fact, this triangle has actually been at work from the very creation of the world. Since we first came onto the scene, we have been caught up in this pattern. In fact, if you were to go back to Genesis chapter 3, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and you were to look at the relationship that Adam and Eve have, and ultimately where sin enters into the story, this is actually what comes online when sin enters in. If you know the story, the serpent comes into the Garden of Eden. God said, everything is yours. Enjoy it all. There's one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just don't eat the fruit of that tree, but everything else you can enjoy. The serpent comes in. Want to guess what the serpent comes in as? Actually comes in as the hero and says, I'm the solution to your problem. God's holding out on you. I won't hold out on you. I'll tell you, if you eat that fruit, you'll know everything. You'll be just like God. So the serpent comes on and says, I'm the solution to your problem. And just real quick, at this point, Adam and Eve's story, how many problems did they have? They didn't have 99 problems. They had zero problems in their life in that moment. But he says, no, 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 no. There's a problem. I can solve it. And so they take the fruit and God finds him and says, what have you done? No, you've disobeyed. This is the one thing I asked you not to do. And you did it. And instantly, the first response from Adam when he's found out by God is villain. He says, she made me do it. It's this woman you put in the garden, God. I mean, remember when it was just me and you? Everything was cool. We had no problems. And then you brought her on. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's benefits. But <laughs> I'm just saying it's her fault. And the second the finger gets pointed at her, Eve goes to victim mode. That's not my I was. It was beyond my control. The serpent came in and deceived me. I was the victim here. I didn't know any better. Do, do you see how from the very beginning we've been playing out this pattern of drama in our lives. We've been doing this dance from day one. We know all the moves. We've learned all the lines. And while we may favor one of these roles more than others in our lives, you can kind of see yourself acting like one more than the other. You're actually great at all of them. You just may not know that. You can play all these roles. And here's the crazy thing. You can play them all instantly. Give you a quick scenario. You're at work and someone messes up, like makes a big mistake. Like it's going to affect your whole department or it's going to affect your whole company. And they make that mistake and you catch it or it comes out that they've made a huge mistake. Guess what happens real quick? You can go straight to villain. How could you, how could you make such a stupid mistake? How could you do this? Do you know what this is going to mean to our company? Do you know how you've put us in jeopardy? Do you know what this is going to mean for this quarter? Do you know how we're going to fall? I mean, just boom, boom, boom. It's all your fault, your fault, your fault. And then simultaneously, you can go to victim and begin to think to yourself, how do I work with such incompetent people? I mean, if only everyone got it like I got it, man, this is, 
If we just had a better talent base in our company, we'd be so much further ahead in the market. And so all the forces are kind of stacked. I don't know if we'll ever get out from behind this hole. And then you can go right to hero mode and say, you know what? I'll stay late tonight. I'll work on this through the night. I'll double up on my work to cover what you dropped. I'll rescue you from the mistake. Do you see how quick you can do it? Just like you can play all three roles. Think about it in uh, relationships. Think about it in a breakup. If you ever go through a breakup, I'm sure all of us have had those at one point in our life. Maybe you've gone through one recently or you've gone through really painful divorce. That is some ripe territory for the drama triangle. Because when a breakup comes, one of your first thoughts is villain. It's their fault. Never mind any part that you played in contributing to the relationship. It's all their fault. All their fault. If they're, they're the ones who hurt me. They're the ones who did this to me. If they wouldn't have done this, this wouldn't have happened. You see how quickly you can go there? And then you can go to victim real quick. Why did this happen to me? God, how could you allow this to happen? What did I do wrong to deserve this? You can go even deeper down that well. Is there ever going to be anyone for me? Am I just going to be stuck alone the rest of my life? Will anyone ever love me. Do you see how you can go there? And then you can go right to here later on that night and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to eat this bowl of ice cream right here. (laughs) No, I mean, or two or three. I'm going to binge this show. I'm not going to watch a season. I'm going to watch a whole series on Netflix tonight to numb myself from the pain that I feel from this person. And anytime you're numbing yourself, any little addiction, any little escape, any little habit like that, that's a hero move. Just so you know. You're heroing yourself for not feeling the pain that you're going through. Do you see how quickly you can play all three roles? And here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing about all the drama triangle stuff and the pattern of this world that Paul's talking about, that if we don't have our minds renewed by Christ, we'll just continue on this cycle. Here's the crazy thing is you don't actually need anyone else around to get down on the drama triangle. You don't have to have anyone else say anything or do anything. It can all happen in your Mind. Remember what Paul said, that your mind would be renewed. We need our minds renewed because left to ourselves, we'll just hop right on the drama triangle. Think about it. You read a headline on your phone or you watch the news and you see a politician that you didn't vote for, that you don't agree with, and instantly, boom, you have all of your opinions about them. Or a celebrity did something. You think, oh, I can't believe they did that. You can go straight to villain in that moment. They're the worst. God, they're so incompetent. How did they ever get into that position? And you have all your, if I was in that place, if I had their position, if I had their power, if I had their influence, if I had their money, boom, villain, just knocking them down, knocking them down. It's all their fault. It's all their fault. You see how quick you can do that? No, that politician, that celebrity doesn't know you. They've never met you, but all in your head, you've got all your stories. Do, 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 do. You're just playing out the part of a villain. Or you can, if you're a parent, you have kids. Uh, it is so easy to go to the hero mode. Like Gene and I, have uh, a date night that we keep every Thursday night. And uh, this is a time for us to pull away. Our kids are mad every time we do. Why do you have to always go on a date night? Like, this is why we go on a date night. (laughs) You're proving the point right now in this moment. This is why we go on a date night. And so we go on a date night every Thursday night and it's our time to get away to just be with us, to grow our marriage, to build our intimacy together. And you want to guess what we talk about half the time that we're on date night? Our kids. Heroing is such an easy thing for parents to do because you can convince yourself as a parent that it's your job to build a little bubble around your children or your adult children. You keep rescuing them from their mistakes. You keep trying to protect them from pain or rejection. I get it. I'm a parent. I do it. But what's eventually going to happen to that little bubble is it's going to burst. Either this world will pop it, or maybe you're a kid here today who popped that bubble yourself through rebellion, through running away, through whatever you may have done. See, this is an easy hero move. Talk about the victim, how you can do it without anyone saying anything to you. How you can go instantly to the victim mode in your life. Just think about this for a second. Just think for a moment about the weather in Chicago (laughs) and how we're even having to deal with the thought of snow in the middle of April, that that even popped up on the forecast this week, you can instantly go to victim. Why do I live here? Why does this keep happening to me? Is there a God? Has he forsaken me? Like you can, and I I understand that. You can instantly go, this is all happening to me. This is the worst ever. Do you see? You don't need anyone else around to get down on the drama triangle because here's the most important thing for you to get. This is the transformational shift. And again, I'm just gonna tell you, like if you haven't pulled out a pen and written this down yet, you might want to do that. 
I know that's a hero move, me telling you to write this down so it helps your life later. I'm just telling you, you might want to write this down because here's the most important thing for you to get. Transformational shift. That 99.9% of the drama in your life is drawn from you. It's not all of them. It's not your mom. It's not your ex. They may be caught up in drama, but 99.9% of the drama in your life is drawn from, drawn back to you. I am the source of the drama in my life, how I respond to, what I think about, how I react to the circumstances in my life determines whether or not I'm going to hop on the drama triangle. I'm the source. You're the source. You are the star of your own reality TV show, whether you realize it or not. And while the drama triangle it can be played as a team sport, ultimately it's actually a solo event. It's something you can do all on your own without anyone else's help. And so that is a transformational shift. You go, wait a second, it's actually not all their responsibility. I have to take responsibility. I have to ask God to renew my mind so that I don't keep this pattern of this world continuing in my life. Does that make sense? So let me give you one more example from my own life, how I play on the drama triangle that doesn't have to do with anyone or any circumstance in particular. It has to do with me in the role of pastor of this church. One of the greatest privileges of my life is that Gene and I get to pastor this church together. That we could have never imagined eight, nine years ago, we could have never imagined this. I mean it. Y'all are a miracle to us. Every single one of you is an answer to prayers that we wouldn't know. We didn't know. We couldn't have dreamed or imagined. This building, this space, this is a miracle that we get to look at. It is a privilege to be one of the lead pastors of this church. Okay, you got that part? Okay, now let me get to, okay, I, it's, that's real, but now let me tell you how I do this. Do you know how I, what I do so often? I play between hero and victim when it comes to my role as one of your lead pastors here. The hero part looks like this. I have to write a great sermon every week. It's up to me. If I don't have a perfect, like out of the, if I don't hit home runs every week, then who knows what'll happen. Maybe you won't come. Maybe you won't stay. And so it's up to me. I have to be the one to help you with all of your challenges and all your problems. I have to be a source of solution. I have to help you understand God's word. You never asked me to do that. But in my own head, I thought, well, it's all up to me. I have to do that. I have to do it. I have to do it. And then in my really, really low moments, guess where I go? I go down to victim. And I start to think when it's like in a hard day or a hard week or a hard season of ministry here at Soul City Church, I start to say, this is the first way. If you ever hear me say these words, you'll know I'm in the victim space. When you hear me say, nobody knows how hard it is for me. <laughs> you don't know how hard it is. It's hard being a pastor. There's a lot of pressure. And there is, there is, that's reality. Because you all, I mean, this is, you come here on Sunday, it's amazing, right? You come here, it's like, oh my gosh, look at all these couches and all these knickknacks everywhere. This place is like amazing. <laughs> this place is absolutely amazing. And it is on Sunday. But like we have, this is a spiritual community that God has formed and we give God every ounce of the credit. It's also a business that has to keep its doors open. There's people who are paying their mortgage from the organization that Gene and I lead. There's people whose insurance comes from what we're leading here. And so then I can go right back up to here and go, well, if we don't keep moving this thing forward, well, then people will stop coming and people will lose their jobs. And it's just a racket for me to go back and forth between hero and victim. Do you know what I'm really saying when I play the hero role, when I think it's all up to me? I completely negate the power and work of God in this church by saying that. I completely negate the power and leadership of our amazing staff and our incredible volunteers because my belief is I have to be the solution to your problems. I have to figure out. I have to do it. Do you know what I'm really saying when I go into victim mode when it comes to my role as your pastor? What I'm ultimately saying is, God, I actually don't believe you that I'm more than a conqueror. I don't believe you, God, that you will always provide a way. I don't believe you, God, that you will guide my step, the next step and the next step and the next step when I walk in your will, when I walk in step with you. Do you see how all this can happen without any of you ever saying anything to me? This is true for all of us. Every one of us can get caught up in the pattern of this world. And here's the truth. Do you know where this pattern leads me? Nowhere. It does nothing to transform my life. It may feel good in the moment to like have hero energy, like, oh, I really killed it on that sermon. Awesome. Or, Keep them coming. That may feel good for like a minute. 
It does nothing to transform my heart or grow my dependence and love for God. This does nothing for me to believe in who God has gifted me and called and equipped me to be. Do you see how this does nothing to transform my life? That drama triangle, the pattern of this world will not change you. But here's what you have to know is that God actually created you for more than this. The world that we live in, they want you to conform to this pattern. It wants you to conform to this pattern. It just does because this is the way of the world. And where this world that we live in wants you to conform to this is actually where God wants you to transform. That's the powerful invitation that we see here. Where the world wants you to conform, God actually wants you to transform, to live in a radically different reality. Because here's the beautiful thing. There is no drama in God. There just isn't. There is no hero, villain, victim in Father, Son, and Spirit. Just isn't, never is. And in fact, the Bible says you're created in the image of the Trinity. You're created in God's image. You weren't created for drama. You were created for so much more. And if we're ever going to hope to experience the power and the peace and the presence that comes from breaking this cycle, then we need God to do a work in us. We need to open ourselves up so we no longer conform to this pattern, but get transformed by God's power in our everyday lives. In fact, Paul goes on, I just want to close out, Paul goes on to paint a picture of what it looks like when you're living a transforming life, when you're not getting stuck in this, but you're actually living a radically different reality in this world. Just jump a little bit further down. If you still have Romans chapter 12, open up, jump down to verse 14. Look at the picture Paul paints of what it looks like and how you can break the cycle of drama in your life by living a transforming life. Romans 12, 14 says this. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And when he said persecute there, he actually meant persecute. Like literally people were being arrested and having their lives taken for their faith. In your life, that might mean people who mouth off at you, people who say things to you on social media, people who are mean to you in your family, in your home, whatever it may be. The, the invitation here is actually to bless, to offer them the same grace that's been offered to you. Because when you do that, here's what you do. You break the villain victim role. Because the villain will say, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. The victim role will say, oh my gosh, why are all these people hurting me? Why is this happening to me? He says, no, here's how you break it. Bless them. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Genuinely offer them the grace that's been offered to you. Verse 15, he says to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Now, just a quick word on what this means. This is what presence looks like. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. For anyone here who has a friend that is going through a season of grief, Maybe you know someone who has recently lost someone that they love or they've lost a job or a relationship has come to an end or they're going through the death of a dream the way they thought their life would work out by this point. It looks like it's just not going to happen. The last thing that friend needs you to do is hero them. They don't need you to come and go, oh, you know what? I'll fix it for you. I'll get you through this. I'll make you happy again. They just need you to be with them. Rejoice when they rejoice. Mourn, grieve when they grieve. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. What Paul is saying here when he says people of low position, he was using an extreme kind of phrase to say, get out of your bubble. Get out of your bubble. Get around people who aren't just like you or don't just agree with everything that you say. And he says, don't be conceited. That's the play of the villain. The villain actually is all about arrogance and conceit. The right way is my way. How do I know it's the right way? Because it's my way. He says, no, 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 don't do that. Don't play that pattern out anymore. He goes on to say in verse 17, don't repay anyone evil for evil. If they hurt you, don't hurt them back. And then he says this, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Translation, be a good person. Be kind to people. You don't, it's not your job to tell them where they're wrong or to try and fix them or all that kind of stuff. Don't repay evil for evil. That is actually what villains do. He says, no, there's a different way. Be kind. Be a good person to other people. And then he closes out with this beautiful, beautiful picture in verse 18. If it's possible, I love he says this. He's like, I know life's hard. I know there's drama. But if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at what? Live at Peace with who? Everyone. Everyone. Live at peace with 
Everyone, as he's saying here, live at peace with the people who see it the way you see it. Live at peace with the people who agree with you. Live at peace with people who don't cause a lot of drama in your life. That would be great. But no, the invitation here is live at peace with everyone, even if they are caught up in drama. Your invitation is to live at peace with everyone. And do you know who else everyone includes? You. To live at peace with you within yourself, not getting lost or caught up or spinning in that drama triangle. In our family, any moment where our, um, we have this little thing that we do where our, you can tell like tensions are escalating in our family or there's a fight that's about or argument that's about to happen in our family or people are raising their voice, kids are raising their voices, we're raising our voices, whatever. We have a phrase that we started using with our, our kids and we asked them the question, hey, hey, are you just drumming up drama right now? Just, that's how we, you know, are you just, this feels like you're just drumming up drama right now. It feels like you're just making a small thing, a big thing. Are you drumming up drama right now? And so we've been saying that with our kids for a long time, you know, or they got used to hearing this phrase. In fact, so much so that anytime they hear Jeannie and I uh, having um, a strongly worded uh, disagreement with each other where we don't see eye to eye, they'll ask us, Dad, are you just drumming up drama with mom right now? It's a really wonderful moment that we've gotten to as parents where our kids feel the freedom to call us out on it. But here's what I want you to actually consider. Here's a great question for our homework this week. If we're ever going to break the cycle and live with the power and peace and ultimately presence that God is inviting us to live, a radically different reality, here's a great question for your homework this week. Anytime, not if, but when you find yourself in drama, ask the question, how am I drumming up drama right now? How am I drumming up drama? It's easy to go, oh, they're doing this. Oh, they're doing that. Sure, maybe, maybe. But you have no control over them. You ultimately have no responsibility for them. You can ask yourself, how am I? Gosh, I just, I went straight to villain. I just went to pointing out all the things they did wrong. In fact, if you're married or you're in a relationship, almost every fight you have is the two of you just going to villain, 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 villain. You, 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 you. So you just ask yourself the question, pull the brake. How am I drumming up drama right now? Oh, I know. I'm, kind of, I'm in hero mode. I thought it was my job to fix you or to rescue you or to save you. Well, that's, that's, not, that's not what I'm actually supposed to do. God's given you all that you need for life and godliness. I don't, I don't have to. It's not my job to rescue. I can come alongside, be with you, help if you ask for Do you see? Just that little question. How am I drumming up drama? And then here's part two to your homework this week. Part one, how am I drumming up drama? Part two, this little prayer. God, will you help me shift? God, will you help me shift? I'm stuck here. Will you help me shift? Going back to Romans 12 too, God, will you renew my mind right now? Because my mind's spinning that this is the only thing that I can see. Will you, God, will you transform me right now? Will you help me shift? Will you remind me of who you've actually created me to be? Remind me that there's no drama in you. You've created me for so much more than that. God, will you in this moment just, will you transform me like you promised you would? so that I can know and experience and walk in your good and pleasing and perfect will. How am I drumming up drama? And God, will you help me shift? What a great little assignment for us to work on together this week. And I can't think of any better way to to end the, the message than coming back to the one who lived his life completely drama-free, to come back to Jesus, who is at the center of it all. He is actually the way He made it possible for you and for I to experience this kind of peace, this kind of presence, even power in our lives to not get drawn into the pattern of this world and conform to it any longer. And so what we like to do every month is stop and remember, as Jesus invited us to do, who he is and what he did for us, what's available to us through his death and resurrection. In a moment, we're going to receive the elements of Uh, communion. You're going to be handed a little tray and you break off a little piece of of bread and then you're going to have a cup. And all I want you to do is to just hold on to it, okay? So we're going to pass these out to remind us of the, the body and the blood of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And here's all I want you to think about. We're just going to be quiet for a moment. Make sure there's no distractions around. Here's what I want you to think about when you're holding these elements. And on the night that Jesus instituted this little way, this practice for us of communion, Uh, There were all kinds of characters at the table. Every one of them. And he invited every one of them there with him. The one who would betray him. The one who would deny him. The ones who would walk away from him. His most 
pressing hour. They were all welcome to the table. And so I just want you to be reminded today all of these little characters that we all play out in all kinds of different ways, all of the drama in your life, you're invited to come sit at the table of peace in the presence of Jesus right now and to give yourself the gift of a moment of reflection of what actually made it all possible for you and for me. So our amazing volunteers are going to come and pass out the elements, quietly take it, hold on to the bread, hold on to the cup, and in just a moment I'll come back to lead us through and we'll close out our time together. Bible tells us that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, just a common element that was at every meal and every table. But he used it for this much deeper metaphor, this much more profound picture. He broke a piece of the bread. He said, I want every time you see this bread to be reminded of my body broken for you. It's a reminder that God actually came to be with you, took physical form to be with you, and that I offered my body, gave my body up for you. And so for those of you who've received the bread, let's take the bread in remembrance of Jesus. And in the same way, he took a cup that was filled with wine and he poured it out and he said, you know, this is a, a reminder. The bread reminds you that I came to be with you. The cup reminds you that I came for you. I gave my life for you. That my blood is the only perfect, sinless blood to ever flow through human veins and I pour it out for you to cover your sin, to cover my sin, to pay the price for all the totality of my depravity. It's all covered right here. Jesus says, this is the new deal. This is the new covenant. It's the new agreement with God. And it's signed in my blood. And it's poured out fully and freely for the forgiveness of your sins. So let's take the cup now in remembrance of him. And I want to invite you to stand and we're going to pray together and then close out our time together with the song. So if you join me and stand. And if you want to, you can open your hands as we open our hearts. Close our eyes so that we can focus on the reality of who God is and what he's done. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, thank you for the invitation that you've given us. First you modeled it, then you made a way for us to have it, and then you invited us into it. You've invited us into this radically different reality, and it's ultimately based on your reckless love for us, your overwhelming love for us. And so, God, thank you that you love us so much, that you take us as we are and you help us become who you created us 
to be. And God, thank you for the promise that we don't have to stay stuck in the pattern of this world, but you actually promised us transformation. You said you'll change us, God, from the inside out by your love and that you would renew our thoughts and our minds so that we can experience that good, pleasing, perfect will of yours. And so, Jesus, for all you did so that we could have all of who you are, God, how can we not offer up all of who we are to you? Thank you for your love. It's changed us. It's saved us. It's transforming us. It's renewing us. And it's because of your love right now that we pray and we sing. Amen.